December 26, 2004, the largest earthquake in the 21st century struck undersea, thank you, in the Indian Ocean. 9.1 to 9.3 on the Richter scale. So massive earthquake. And it released this force that was so great it created these giant waves towering sometimes over a hundred feet high. And those tsunami waves radiated out from the epicenter and then slammed into all of the coastal communities around the Indian Ocean. The devastation was horrific. 277,000 people died. That's more than a quarter million. That's like the entire population of Anchorage dead. Now, some of the communities had what is called an early warning system. Soon as the earthquake was registered, alerts went out to the public. You know, television, loudspeakers down near the beach, uh, texts on phones. Tsunami warning! Run to safety! Get to the hills! Get to the high ground! And so the communities that had the early warning systems fared much better than those without. I mean, those without, sometimes it was just utter devastation. But even in the communities that had the early warning systems, some people were more curious than, than afraid, and they said, oh, a tsunami, that's cool, let's go look at it. And they went down to the water's edge to see the big wave that didn't work out so well for them. We're talking today about the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism, and I think of evangelism much like an early warning system. Because what is it we're doing when we're sharing the gospel? We're warning people. Fundamentally, we're saying, hey, the wrath of God rests upon you because of your sin, and the judgment of God is coming for you. It's coming for all of us. Run! <laughs> Run to safety, and His name is Jesus. The Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So God's heart is that no one would be destroyed by His judgment, that is coming because of His righteousness, but that everybody would turn to Jesus and get saved. Repent of your sins, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and get saved from the coming judgment of God. And so that's evangelism. We are, we're an early warning system. The judgment of God is coming run to the hills, his name is Jesus, and, and go to safety. And some people heed the warning and are saved, and some people don't. And that's tragic. But you know what's even more tragic? Not more tragic, but what is super tragic is when people aren't given a warning at all. There is no early warning system because nobody goes and tells them. And sometimes those people just live just across the street from us. Well, we're talking today about the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism, and it's this simple. Without the Holy Spirit's help, nobody would heed the warning. Nobody would get saved. The Bible's very clear on this. Nobody will ever see their need for Jesus Nobody will believe in the coming judgment of God in order, to, in order to surrender their lives to Christ to turn to Him for salvation, except the Holy Spirit draw them. Let's look at some scriptures in this regard. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, we read this. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person is the person who does not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside them, which means they're not Christians, they're unconverted. They're just natural people. They're they the way they were when they were born. And they do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, spiritual things, because they're foolishness. I don't believe that. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't want that. And why aren't they able to understand? Because they're spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit has to give you insight to see their, their truthfulness of these things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to get off the throne of your life and invite Jesus to sit on the throne of your life unless the Holy Spirit helps you do that. It's impossible to say Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is the ruler of the world, unless the Holy Spirit helps you do that. Jesus put it this way, No one can come to, the Father unless, uh, come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And the rest of the Bible tells us that that's through the work of the Holy Spirit. No one, you and I cannot come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws us. Nobody will. Nobody, nobody left to his or her own devices says, oh, the gospel makes sense. I think I am a sinner. Yes, I do believe uh, that judgment is coming, coming. I'd better get saved. Nobody does that. It takes the Holy Spirit working. Matthew, Matthew 16, 17. This is Jesus' response to the Apostle Peter saying, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the son of God. And Jesus responded, Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That insight into who Jesus really is, God, through his Holy Spirit, gave that to Peter. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we read, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, it takes the same power that said, let there be light to enlighten our hearts and minds to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here's the bottom line. Bottom line is... We absolutely need the Holy Spirit's help if we're going to have any success in evangelism. If you're going to share the gospel with your family member or your coworker or your friend or your classmate, somebody you care about, and you want them to go to heaven, you want them to be in heaven with you, you care about their souls. Don't go, in, don't go into it alone and in your own power and strength. Uh, it takes the Holy Spirit helping you. Which leads me to four big asks that I think we should make uh, to the Holy Spirit. 
But before we get there, let's talk about, I want to talk about um, John chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. I'm going to reference a lot of scriptures today, but this is the one you should write down. This is the central text. John chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them about the Holy Spirit, who has not yet come. He tell, he's telling them, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and here's what he's going to do. And now, Jesus here talks about one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit in the world today. And when he comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, Jesus is speaking, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So one of the, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world. And that is a conviction like, uh, like the final verdict a judge gives after hearing uh, a case. I now convict you of blank. And so the Holy Spirit is God's prosecutor. And fundamentally, He, he convicts us and convinces us, another way to think of conviction, He convinces us of our need for Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus kind of um, pulls that apart a bit. A bit. He, conv he convicts the world of, of sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin, because they do not believe in me. The only sin that will keep you from heaven is the sin of unbelief. All other sins, murder, rape, incest, lying, cheating, those can all be forgiven if you are in Christ Jesus. His, his blood pays the penalty for that sin. His death satisfied the wrath of God for that sin. But unbelief means you're not in Christ and your sins don't get paid for. And so the sin that matters, see, this is, this is what Jesus is saying. What, what the Holy Spirit convicts people of and convinces them of is that the sin that matters when it comes to heaven and hell is what is your relationship to Jesus? Are you an unbeliever? And if so, you're destined for hell. Or are you a believer? And you're going to heaven. So, so, of all that we could get wrapped up in and fixate on, the Holy Spirit boom, narrows it down to that question of who, what is your relationship like with Jesus Christ, the Son of God? It convicts the world of sin and righteousness. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Left to ourselves, we'll come up with our own definition of what is righteous. Boy, we certainly see that uh, in our society today. Uh, people, people who do not believe there is a God still care very much to be good people. And they just define it on their own terms. And the farther our culture drifts from its Christian moorings, uh, the more wildly disparate our is society's definition of righteousness from the Bible's definition of righteousness. But the bottom line, the Holy Spirit says to people, I'm going to convict you of what is righteousness, what is truly righteous, and your lack of it. There's only one who 
is righteous, and that's Jesus. In fact, Jesus, Jesus was so righteous, He went right up to the Father on His own merits, right? Behold, I go to the Father, you'll see me no longer. Jesus was able to go right back to the Father because He lived life on earth without sin. He never once disobeyed, displeased the Father or, or stepped out of his, God's plan for His life. Jesus is the righteous one. We are not righteous. And if we have any hope, it's to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. And doesn't let us wiggle out of that. Concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. People do not want to believe that they're going to be judged by God someday. And here, you're a sinner. Depart from me. Go to hell. And people don't want to believe that. And we wouldn't believe that if the Holy Spirit didn't convince us of it. And so the, the Holy Spirit says, hey, the kingdom, uh, the ruler of this world, who's Satan, he is judged. And those who remain in his kingdom and on his side will, will share his fate to be in the lake of fire forever and ever. So of all the things that we can believe and all the things that we can hope in, and all the things, we would not accept the gospel except for the Holy Spirit convicting us. Guess what? You're a sinner, the judgment of God is coming, but there is a way of escape, and only one way, and it's faith in Jesus Christ. What are you going to do? And that's the work of the Holy Spirit that causes people to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ and, and get their lives and their eternal destiny, destinies changed. You and I don't do that. Yet, the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit does His work through humans preaching the Word, proclaiming the gospel. The Holy Spirit works through the people of God telling other people about Jesus. And so, it's, it's this amazing partnership. I don't know how we parse the partnership all out. But it's clear the Holy Spirit wants to use you and me. And then sometimes we think, oh my goodness, that was like one of my worst sermons ever. And God changes somebody's heart and mind through it. Because it's not about us. It's about the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit taking that gospel. Now, we are to prepare. prepare to give, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. We're absolutely to prepare the best we can. We want to be the sharpest tools possible. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have no power to change lives. The Holy Spirit does that. So four big asks. Ask number one. Ask the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in the hearts and the minds of the people you want to see saved. <laughs> it's that simple. I don't understand. I don't know how to parse out all the question of... How exactly did it happen? Does the Holy Spirit regenerate somebody's spirit before they believe? Does the Holy Spirit just work super powerfully on somebody, drawing them mightily so that it's irresistible? I don't, you know, theologians debate all this. But it seems very clear that, the whole, that, the, that we need the Holy Spirit to draw people. And so let's ask the Holy Spirit to do that, right? So if you care about somebody, 
you want to see them in heaven, ask God, Spirit of the living God, please open my friend's eyes to the goodness of the gospel. Open my friend's eyes to her need for Jesus. Oh, would you just, would you please help my friend see that despite the fact that the world applauds the way they're living, they're living in sin. Would you help my friend see that despite the fact that they're wealthy and they're physically healthy, they're not safe. They're not in a good place. They need, they need Jesus. Open their eyes, open their minds, open their hearts. Help them see the real condition of their soul. Spirit of the God, would you do that? That takes a miraculous intervention in their lives, and I'm asking it of you because I care about this person. Do you pray those kind of prayers for the people you care about? We'd better be praying these kind of prayers if we want to see people get saved. So number one, ask. Number, uh, ask God to be working, the Holy Spirit to be working powerfully in people's lives. Now, secondly, let's ask for boldness. Ask for boldness. Have you ever, have you ever shied away from sharing the gospel because of fear? Yes, you have. <laughs> I certainly have many, many times. Look, sharing the gospel is a, is a scary proposition. Here in the United States, very doubtful that we'll wind up in prison or be killed or beaten uh, for sharing the gospel. Some people, some places, certainly throughout history and some places even today, that's the case. But, but we know full well that, that our friends might not want to hear it. And we might be rejected, uh, called less often. Our social standing might go down. We might not be invited to all the same parties. On and on it goes. There's a cost associated with sharing the gospel with unbelievers. And so why would we ever do it? We, we're only going to do that if we have boldness. And, we, and that boldness is put in us by the Holy Spirit. What is this boldness? I think this boldness is, first off, it flows out of a, I am convinced that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. That this, this news that you don't want to hear... I've even asked people, can I share with you the gospel? And they've said, no. <laughs> uh, but I'm convinced that you, it, it can save you from hell. It can send you to heaven. It's the power of God unto salvation. By the way, that's why the apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because Why? Because he was convinced of its necessity, its power. Also, it, you, you have boldness when you believe that there's no other hope, right? It's not one of God's many options for getting saved. It's the only option. And, and because it has the power to save you, and because there is nothing else that can save you, I have the boldness to share it with you, even when you don't act like you want it or need it, or even think you do. And also, I think that boldness flows out of a love for people, right? I care, I care, I actually care about you so that I'm willing to, to, to hear the, I don't want to hear that, I don't like you, I'm not interested in you anymore. I'm willing to suffer uh, the blowback so that you can get to heaven, right? That does not come naturally to us. That, all of that is put in us 
by the Holy Spirit. And so if you are lacking that, all the stuff I'm just talking about, and I lack it very often, but when we're lacking that, we need to be asking the Spirit of God to put all that in us so that it results in a boldness to share the gospel with the people who need to hear. And in Acts 4.31, we read, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. A result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the word of God boldly. Here's the apostle uh, Paul, who at this time is in chains. He's in prison because he shared the gospel. And, and maybe he was feeling the temptation to get a little quieter about his faith in Jesus because of the blowback. And he says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Pray for all the saints, all the Christians, and also for me. Here's Paul, pray for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul himself knew I need the Holy Spirit. Ask God to give me boldness through his Holy Spirit, that he would fill me with boldness, that I'll speak the way I should speak, which is boldly telling people what how they can get saved. You need boldness. I need boldness. It doesn't just, you know, this is, this is not just some people are redheaded and some aren't, right? Some people are just naturally more direct and others. The, evangelism, evangelism is not for the extroverts, you know, and the socially confident. It's for the Christian indwelt with the Holy Spirit and filled with boldness. And, and we will evangelize in our own way, through, you know, in light of our own personalities and the skills God's given us. So third, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and words. There are people who make it a fundamental ambition to have questions that Christians can't answer. Like, they just love embarrassing the Christians, asking them the questions that trip them up. And doing it in a very public setting in order to make Christianity and faith in Christ look foolish. They have questions I can't answer. They have questions you can't answer. They come up with these very minute things and I'm like, I don't know. And you don't, probably don't know. So, are we going to not share until we have every possible you know, question answered before we go out? Or do we just say, Spirit of God, would you please give me wisdom and words with which to share the gospel and answer those people's questions who really care, right? There is, there is the throwing pearls before the swine. We don't want to waste our time with that. But here, we read this, Acts chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, where this is describing Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. And Stephen's sharing the gospel, and he's being resisted by Jews who don't like what he's saying. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. So they're arguing. It's a public setting. They don't want the crowd to be swayed by, by Stephen's presentation of the gospel, so they begin to argue with him. They're trying to make poke holes in his, his, his gospel presentation. They're trying to make him look foolish. They're trying to convince people this isn't true. And, and the Holy Spirit gave 
Stephen the words to speak. And it was a powerful sermon, and it resulted in his being stoned to death. So he won, even though he died. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and words while you share the gospel. As you're sharing the gospel, be asking God, would you please give me the wisdom to know how to respond to this question? Pray it in the moment. You don't even have to close your eyes. Just pray it. And, and, and be confident that the Holy Spirit will be with you in that way when you knock on a door or you pick up the telephone or, right? Even texting. Ugh, I don't, can people get saved through text? I don't know. Probably. So number one, ask the Holy Spirit to be working powerfully in the hearts and minds of the people you want to see in heaven someday. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit for boldness. You need Holy Spirit boldness. Number three, ask for wisdom and words when you're, when you're preaching. And finally, ask the Holy Spirit for divine appointments and guidance with whom to share. A couple of stories in Acts that are quite uh, fascinating. Acts chapter 8, we read the story of the apostle Philip, and the Holy Spirit directs uh, Philip to share the gospel with a guy riding in a chariot. And first he just says, go over next to that chariot. Uh, go to that, so we read this, Acts 8, 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Okay, so he does. And just so happens, right, just so happens that Ethiopian's reading from the book of Isaiah, and he asks out loud, I wonder who this is talking about. Philip's like, aha, I know who that's talking about. That's talking about Jesus, shares the gospel. The end of it is the Ethiopian says, there's some water. What keeps me from being baptized? He gets baptized, and then the Spirit whisks, whisks, whisks Philip away. Now, that's an early church, miraculous apostle uh, occurrence. But do, do you doubt that the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people right now? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you can't read Acts without getting, there are lots of things, but one of the things is the Holy Spirit is on the move, and He is working in people's hearts and minds. He's drawing them to Jesus Christ, and then He wants to connect them with Christians who know the gospel. Makes the connection. He does it all over in the book of Acts, and I think He wants to do it today. Now, I've never had the... I've never experienced, I don't even, it doesn't even tell us how the Spirit told Philip. I've never heard the Spirit of God audibly, out loud, Michael, go talk to that person in the corner. But I've had strong feelings, like, why is it all, all of a sudden I'm like, I should talk to that person. I should share, I should say this. And is it me? Is it the Holy Spirit bringing that thought to mind? I don't know. It's a good thought. I probably should share the gospel with that person, <laughs> right, rather than try to parse it all out. But I, I absolutely believe that the Holy Spirit can, uh, still orchestrates divine appointments and, and guides us to people with whom He wants us to share. And sometimes I've kept my mouth shut, and I've walked away and I felt I had that sense that I think God wanted me to say something, and I didn't. You ever had that? That's distressing. Acts chapter 10, 19 and 20, we read about Peter... Uh, he gets that vision about the, all the different animals being lowered by a sheet, and the Holy Spirit is directing Simon Peter to go and share the gospel with Cornelius, very overt. 
While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So, four asks. Imagine, imagine if tomorrow, imagine if this week, let me, let me give, I'm going to take it, take my own challenge. Let's say that this week, for seven days, we wake up and we say, Holy Spirit, would you please work powerfully in the heart and mind of blank? Think of somebody who, who, who you want to see in heaven and they don't yet know Jesus. And you pray, Spirit, would you help them see their need for Christ? Secondly, you pray, Spirit of God, would you fill me with boldness so that I would speak as I ought? Would you fill me with that confidence that the gospel is the power of God? There is no other hope for man except Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you fill me with that spirit? Would you fill me with that love for people that makes me be willing to suffer for their sake? Fill me with boldness. Spirit of God, as I go, I know I'm going to encounter questions, pushback that I don't have the answer to, but would in the moment, would you give me the wisdom and the words so that I can share the gospel in a way that has effect? Give me your wisdom. And then, Spirit of God, uh, I pray today that you would intersect, you would guide me so that I would intersect people who need to hear the gospel. Would you, would you guide me to just the right people and then prompt me to, be, to share? If we pray that every day, do you think the Holy Spirit might actually do something? You think He might be interested in answering those prayers? I do. <laughs> I think so. In fact, here, here's, let me put it this way. The Holy Spirit will not rest until every knee is bowing to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. John Piper wrote this famous book on missions called Let the Nations Be Glad, in which he said, uh, missions exists because worship doesn't. The Holy Spirit is committed to glorifying Jesus Christ, lifting Christ up, pointing people to Jesus. That, I mean, that's like His primary aim on earth is to make Jesus famous, to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when there's a single person who is not yet saved... The Holy Spirit is on the move. And the Holy Spirit won't grow tired. The Holy Spirit doesn't take a break. The Holy Spirit uh, stop, doesn't stop caring. The Holy Spirit is, will not rest until the, until the last person bows his or her knee or until Christ returns. And the Holy Spirit doesn't rest, and so neither should, should the people of God. And we do too often. We get distracted. But, but the Holy Spirit... Uh, will be with us in a special way as we share the gospel. So that's the, the final point I want to make, and it's just a reminder of the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus' final thing He tells His disciples before He goes to heaven, and He says, you know, go, go into all the world, preach the gospel, uh, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And, lo, I will be with you always to the very ends of the earth, or very ends of the age. And so how is Christ with us? He's with us through His Spirit, right? He said, I go, and I'm going to send you the Comforter. 
the Spirit of God. So, bottom line is that the, the Holy Spirit is with us. And He's with us in a special way, let me say, when we're on mission with Him. When we're doing what matters to the Holy Spirit, which is lifting up Christ, pointing people to Jesus. When, we're, when we are on Christian mission, when we are doing evangelism, the Holy Spirit is with us in a special way because that's what He's doing. And we, we will experience His presence and His power and His, his uh, work through us in a special way. So I don't, I've had heard many testimonies. It's my own personal testimony. There, there's nothing more spiritually invigorating. There's nothing more spiritually invigorating than sharing the gospel with somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ. And sometimes they don't heed. That's okay. You know you're being obedient. You know you've planted a seed. You don't know the outcome. You know, that seed you've planted, 10 years from now, it might bear fruit. And so, you know, if people... I can guarantee you... Here, here, here I, can, I can guarantee you this. If you get involved in evangelism, you start opening your mouth and telling people about Jesus and inviting people to get saved from the coming judgment of God by repenting of their sins and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. If you get involved in doing that, you will not have a lackluster spiritual life. I guarantee you. You have a ho-hum Christian life. I know you're not doing evangelism. I know it. I, I'm kind of bored with my Christian life. It's not doing anything to, for me. I don't see any transformation in my life. I can guarantee you're not telling people about Jesus Christ. You want to experience the Holy Spirit's work in your life in a powerful, dramatic, special way. Get involved in what He's involved in, sharing the gospel. So let's pray. The four asks. Right now, in the quietness of your heart, ask these things. Number one. Ask the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in the heart and mind of somebody you know who is not yet a Christian. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit for boldness that you would share as you ought. Number three, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom and words with which to communicate the gospel. Finally, ask the Holy Spirit for divine appointments this week and guidance so that you share with people in whose, in whose lives He's working. Spirit of the living God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.